The Ensemble Advice South Africa podcast is intended for professional financial advisors. All discussion is limited to publicly available information and should not be interpreted as legal, professional or financial advice. Hi, I'm Louis van der Merwe, Certified Financial Planner. Join me every week where I get to have discussions with global leaders in the financial planning space to help you serve your clients better and run a more efficient financial planning practice. This is the Ensemble Advice South Africa podcast. Portfolio Metrics is thrilled to bring you this podcast in support of our common passion for people and the evolution of wealth management. Our global business links precision investment management to expert financial advice through partnerships and technology. Portfolio Metrics is an authorized financial services provider. Comspace is a revenue management solution developed specifically for independent financial advisors. It is a web-based application that tracks, allocates, and manages advisor revenue. The system seamlessly reads commission statements from financial institutions and can address any permutation of commission splits. Comspace provides mind-blowing, out-the-box revenue business intelligence and analytics, along with super-flexible reporting to effectively manage and grow your business. Before we start this week's episode, we wanted to let you know that the views expressed by Kevin are his own and not necessarily those of his employer, Alan Gray. Hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to another episode of Ensemble Advice South Africa. Today I have with with me physically in the office, Kevin Feather. Kevin has been an inspiration for me as a financial planner, guiding the change in financial planners and specifically his role around bringing the coaching element to financial planners. I think that has been really pivotal. Thank you, Kevin, for being here today. Louis, thank you very much for, for having me today. Kevin, you mentioned to me before we started that you know, you've, you've spanned almost four decades yeah. in financial services, and I look forward to unpacking a little bit of what those four decades look like, but also what the next four <laughs> might look like. <laughs> Don't do about the the, the next uh, four gener let's say four decades, but uh, let me let me reflect uh, on let's say the past thirty eight years in, in in this industry, which which really started uh, what was that in uh, uh, nineteen eighty five uh, in Bloemfontein I might add because I originally from from Bloemfontein and uh, I was an investment advisor at uh, Trust Building Society which was part of the the Trust Bank uh, uh, Group, uh, yes, and uh, I think that was my foray into you know dealing with uh, with clients, selling product to them, which was uh, let's say fixed term deposits, tax free deposits. So it was interesting, I think, in that uh, in that time already, you know, to start connecting and developing relationships uh, with uh, with clients. Um, yeah, and that that was let's say an early a two year journey. Uh, was uh, was then approached by uh, by Sunlam in Bloemfontein and and really uh, you know joined Sunlam as a broker consultant and and he, it was then still called a, a broker consultant uh, but we'll get to that terminology a little bit later because I think that talks to the to the evolution of uh, the financial planning uh, industry and and the terminology used yes and I, I think that's. That's where I really got into working with uh, financial planners, uh, seeing how they work, see how they think. Uh, and I might just add, 
looking at the evolution again of financial planning, that's when it was still a product a sales driven uh, industry. Um, yeah, and uh, right. Uh, I was with Sunlam uh, as a broker consultant for about 11 years. In, in, uh, in 1989, I moved down to Cape Town also as a broker consultant uh, and continued that journey, you know, of working with, uh, with financial, uh, financial planners and, you know, looking at the challenges that they have with, with dealing with, uh, with clients. Uh, and then, uh, when was it, about 1997, uh, I joined uh, Sunlam Unit Trusts to start a new New division there, targeting uh, lisps, uh, and you know, being the uh, let's say the liaison between some of unit trusts and uh, and the list platforms, and then also focusing on uh, multi managers who, in, in that point in time, were putting wrap funds together. So it was, I think, an interesting period there too. You know, then uh, working with uh, you know relationships and a different kind of um, uh, let's say client at that point in time. Uh, yes, and then uh, what was it in uh, at two thousand and five? You know, they really got this opportunity to to join Alan Gray. Uh, you know, to really uh, develop independent financial advisors. And at that point in time, uh, my mandate was really to uh, assist independent financial advisors to retain their independence and really also to assist them to build long-term sustainable businesses. Because that I think was key is, uh, you know, it's not only about selling, it's about as an independent financial advisor, running a business and really working on your business and not only in your business. Um, and, and that's really where I started, um, you know, not only myself, but, you know, collaborating with, with team members to really look at the independent financial advice space uh, and really analyzing and researching, you know, what um, uh, fun independent financial advisors needed uh, within their, their practice because we really felt at that point in time it's, uh, it was a, a, about managing your business, you know, according to best practice or global best practice benchmarking standards. Um, yeah, and, and we took a, a number of financial advisors. Uh, there were about uh, close to 40 uh, financial advisors uh, with about let's call it 30 FSPs through a process where we you know we got uh, external service providers in to do a, a, a global best practice benchmarking audit um, and it was very interesting to see you know what challenges uh, the independent financial advisors had uh, at, at that point in time and you know we really try to assist them you know to navigate through these challenges uh, with the help of these external service providers to, to really implement, you know, some of the suggestions uh, that were put forward in the in the audit reports, and we, we did, in fact, two audits: a a, a practice audit uh, as well as a compliance audit. And you you may remember that's that's when uh, phase the the phase act really started, and 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 that was a challenging time for many independent financial advisors uh, and, and really we got these specialists in you know to to really focus on going through certain files uh, and you know ensuring you know that they're from a, a phase on perspective uh, that they were following the uh, the process so i think that was very insightful not only for myself or for alan gray um, but very insightful for you know, the independent financial advisors or the FSPs 
that went through this uh, this process. And from there, we really saw, uh, I saw the, the, the value in, you know, focusing on your practice. Um, and we then developed uh, the Alan Gray, um, uh, let's say, practice management programs where we made use of external service providers. And we, we took so many uh, advisors through through the um, uh, the practice management programs. Again, you know, instilling in them that really you need to to work, you know, on your business and not only in in your business. Uh, and you know, I gave them a number of guidelines via these external service providers. You know, what to focus on. You know, within within your business, right from the start, from your setting up this business uh, and looking at the vision right through to your your value proposition as as a financial advisor and as an as an FSP to to, to clients. And so it uh, evolved, you know, we we ran these practice management programs, uh, what was it, for about four years. And then it was really about um, doing some thorough and in-depth research in terms of global developments in the financial planning space. And as we, we went on, you know, we, uh, I clearly identified, you know, uh, financial life planning was coming to the, uh, to the fore there um, and went on a... Uh, a research uh, process, you know, to really look at the work done by a number of, of thought leaders in the industry and uh, the Mitch Anthony's, the George Kinders, you know, of the world really looked at, you know, their work um, uh, and their insights, looked at their insights that they brought to, to the industry. Yeah, which was, you know, very, very insightful to us. But I think at that point in time, fairly new at, uh, in the industry. Um, and I think it was about, uh, if I just want to get my numbers right, yeah, probably about five years ago, uh, what was 2018, actually we introduced uh, the Alan Gray, uh, the, uh, the Apple Coaching Program and took a number of financial advisors through through this, uh, this process to really adopt a coaching way of being with their clients and, and, and really, really cultivating a, you know, a deeper connection you know, with uh, with clients and, and 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 that deeper human um, or emotional connection with uh, with clients. Again, it was uh, I think a fascinating journey to see that some, uh, let's say, uh, thought leaders or let's say financial planners that were thought leaders being ahead of the curve and really introducing, you know, financial life planning into into their their approach to, to clients. Um, and really adopting a coaching way of being with, uh, with, with clients. Um, yeah, and, and through that program, we clearly could see how certain independent financial advisors then changed from a, really a fixed mindset, uh, you know, to a growth mindset and, and the development that really took place. And, and, and some of them really shared some some personal stories of of how they'd changed their their thinking and uh, changed their approach, and some of them shared, uh, you know, how um, employees uh, within the FSPs see them differently, you know, due to this, uh, you know, adopting a coaching way of being not only with your clients but with uh, staff, with family members. Um, so I th- that that was that was very insightful and and, and really. Uh, showed us or showed me that we were having a great impact 
you know, in terms of, of changing lives and being part of this thought leadership in the, in, in the, in the industry. Um, and, you know, being ahead of the curve, uh, you know, so to speak. And, uh, you know, we, we had two iterations of the behavioral coaching program and, uh, clearly we saw the same pattern with, with the second behavioral coaching program is, and I think what was fascinating too is, and uh, I think this is a human element, is uh, certain certain people take longer to really get it. Um, nothing wrong with that, but as long as you 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 get it and, and you really you know evolve and uh, you know uh, stay ahead of the curve in terms of developments in in the, in this industry. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so we completed two iterations of that, and we took it a step further and did some additional research, uh, and really found that uh, one of the um, let's say areas of feedback that we got was, you know, yeah, we focused on uh, self development, the development of the financial planner, and you're really adopting a coaching way of being with your client, but how do how do we integrate this? You know, these learnings. Uh, into the whole client engagement process so that it's a seamless process from a client engagement perspective. Really took us uh, to the next level, you know, where we did some additional research, yeah, and said, well, well let's bring the, that component into it, is really uh, cultivating, systematizing, and implementing the human connection, you know, within your financial planning business. And, and we're currently busy with that, that, that process uh, and uh, you know, I think over the years, what we've we've adopted in in the evolution of our programs is the principle of of action, reflection, learning. Is yeah, you have an action, you really uh, reflect on it, uh, and then you learn from it, and and you really uh, adjust. And I think that's a very important principle. Uh, and I think it goes back to a comment uh, I, I made as. I try and remind myself that there there are no failures. It's there are learnings, and I think that gets back to the the action, reflection, learning uh, approach. And if you can have that mindset, you know, in terms of this continuous learning process, I try and remind myself on a daily basis. You know, at this point in my career, is what new thing can I learn today? And that's been my that's been my philosophy and uh, you know hopefully we can continue you know i can continue making a, a difference in the lives of financial planners and, and taking them to this to this next level because clearly we know that ai is going to have a a huge impact um you know uh, ai can can select products do the technical stuff for you but ai can't connect with the emotions of the client so that's where I see the opportunity in the industry going forward is for financial planners, you know, to really could connect at an emotional level with uh, with clients and really take that journey with them. Kevin, you've seen many, many financial planning relationships, and I'm wondering, you know, maybe even from when you joined Alan Gray in 2005, how is it seeing these advisors that you've been working with for the last, you know, 15, 20, maybe 30 year relationships? How is it seeing how the impact that you're making in their lives and they're changing their businesses, what does that bring to you? Well, I think it's a good, it's, it's a great uh, feeling to see that, you know, financial planners or independent financial advisors are really adopting, 
you know, the uh, the principles. And to be totally honest, it's not uh, just about me. It's uh, it's it's about collaborating with a number of other people in 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 this process. And uh, you know, I think that's what I've learned over the years. Is it's not only about yourself. Is you you need to to network. You need to you know uh, identify the the thought leaders, the specialists in in in, the, in particular areas. Uh, you know, uh, and and put this together and develop those relationships uh, with uh, independent financial advisors and see them then develop. I think that is uh, that's a great feeling too. You know. But that's definitely a gift, right? Being able to identify something and say, "Hey, I think I can package this into a way that financial planners can take action, can reflect, and can learn." Because that's one thing we often see. We have all this information, right? Someone once said that if information was the only thing it took, we'd all be millionaires with six packs. <laughs> so we, we know it's not just information, right? Then why is it so difficult for us to take action in our businesses yeah. when we learn about, oh, we need to involve this? Like, what's, what's your take on, on that? Yeah, I think it might get back to what I mentioned earlier on is um, maybe as, as humans, you know, we we adopt a fixed mindset and, and, and really struggle to develop these new neural pathways. And, and it's really about developing habits. So uh, uh, I think a great read is, is James Clear's uh, Atomic Habits, you know, uh, which uh, really focuses on, you know, just making these small improvements. Uh, and we said that, um, you know, habits uh, are the compound interest of self-development and, and that's that's really stuck with me and just making what he says these one percent changes on a, on a regular basis which then uh, I think gets you to this this compounding effect um, and I think he, he refers to habit stacking as well so a, good, a great read uh, I, I've read the book as well and I think another uh, a great read is um, a crowing greatness by Pepe Mared which which I've read as well it's Again, a uh, recommended uh, reading book. I want to ask you, Kevin, is there any any habits that you've incorporated in your life to remain positive and remain motivated? Because you always bring so much energy to conversations. It seems like there's a... <laughs> Kevin, Kevin always shows up to conversations. Like, what is the secret sauce behind those uh, habits in your life? Well, yeah, generally, I've uh, I've always been a positive person. You know, it's uh, it's clearly about uh, trying to to make a difference, and you know, bring, bringing something to the conversation. Hopefully, something creative, something different to to the conversation. Um, and I think the one of the principles uh, that uh, came through in the EBL coaching program is 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 really through uh, your questioning uh, and you know asking the right questions. You know, getting the other person to think uh, about this particular scenario, um, but then again, it's, I think it's so important uh, to ask the right question to get the right answer, uh, and that takes takes some some skill. So I think it's over the, over the years, you know, being on this journey and really listening. I think that's a that's a great principle as well. Is you know, we as humans incline, are inclined to speak too much and uh, uh, don't don't listen much. So really uh, developing, you know, that that listening skill because it's not only about me; it's it's about the 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 other individual as well, and really getting behind their thinking um, and making them feel feel important 
and getting their perspective on a particular scenario. And, and I, I think that's the other bit is um, from a financial advice perspective, it's, it, it's really about the, the clients deciding for themselves what is best for them. Um, we, you know, we're not the experts or the financial planners, not the expert in, in, in their lives. So again, I think it gets back to connecting with the heart and really having these these deeper deeper conversations with with clients to you know really get back to uh, or really understand you know their history, their values, um, you know their their relationship with money, and um, yeah. So you know that's what I've I've given you a bit of a long winded uh, uh, answer, yeah. But you know it's just really absorbing, you know through reading, through listening. Uh, so I think that's been my philosophy you know, over the years. I like what you've said there about bringing some creativity, bring, bringing something different to the conversation. And as financial planners running businesses, you get to look from the outside in and you maybe see the blind spots that we don't have. I want to talk about what that we do have that we can't see. I want to talk about those two things you mentioned within your mandate, right? So helping people, helping financial planners to remain independent yes. and to continue growing their business. Has that become more challenging over the the last you know eighteen years? Oh, well, certainly it's uh, you know I think from a regulatory perspective, from a legislation perspective, it's it's, it's quite clear. And 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 most recently, uh, you know, we uh, I, I surveyed a number of independent financial advisors, and one of the the issues is the okay regulation, uh, the increasing uh, compliance costs. Um, and then what does that have an impact on? Yeah, it has an impact on profitability, has downstream consequences. So there are a number of, of areas that it really touches within your, your financial advice uh, firm, you know, which you have to be cognizant of. So uh, I think that's a challenge uh, for many independent financial advisors and is the, the answer technology. Um, yes, it, it most certainly is. You know, to really free up your your time to spend more quality time, you know, uh, um, developing deeper relationships uh, with with your clients and leaving the rest, uh, you know, to technology. Hopefully, yeah. Given when I speak to financial planners in Australia or America or Canada, they tell me the same thing. I struggle with regulation. I struggle with profitability. I struggle servicing the smaller clients. Oh, do we feel unique in South Africa with our challenges? Or is it just, hey, this is a global challenge that financial planners face? Well, it's a, I believe it's a global challenge. I'll give you one example is uh, succession planning. That's, a, that's something that's come up on a, on a regular basis. And it's, it's a global phenomenon. It's a, it's a global challenge. You know, with the aging uh, IFA, uh, let's say population, if I can call it that, um, it, it, it most certainly is a challenge, and uh, you know what's the solution? Yes, uh, bringing younger advisors into your your business, which also comes with with challenges. It's not a, a short term process. Uh, it's you know it's a long long term process. And however, in saying this, it's you, you're not in business for the short term. You're in, in business for for the long term. And and um, succession. Or succession planning or continuity. What does that really mean? And it means that the business outlives the owner. Mm, that's such an important concept. And I think you mentioned earlier how we shouldn't just think in transactions, we should think maybe in decades and relationships. But is that what every financial planner signs up for? 
you know, especially someone maybe in the early 20s joining joining this profession, thinking that, hey, I'm going to make a quick buck and this is going to be um, not a lot of work. I, I want to share with you a, a story before you answer that. I had someone job shadow me this week and after the end of the day, we did a check-in and we said, you know, how did, how did you find it? And he said, wow, I never knew there's so much to what you do. <laughs> Once again, until you lift the hood and you actually see what goes in, on inside a business, inside servicing a client, maybe clients don't appreciate how much we actually do that they do not see. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great point, and you know that's what I saw over the years as well. You know, from uh, in terms of managing your advice business, uh, it's not easy. There are multiple uh, factors there, uh, and but to get back to the client is you know how do you articulate. The value that you're adding to to them, adding to their to their lives, and I think that's what I've seen over the years is many independent financial advisors or advice businesses really struggle with articulating their value and really uh, explaining, uh, well, articulating and documenting that that uh, value proposition to to clients, um, and and really explaining that to to, uh, to clients. You know, I, I really believe the industry should be moving towards a fee-for-service uh, kind of a, a a model, you know, and it's it's a move away from assets under management being paid on that because clearly, and then giving you my view is that what what does a client see? It's it's about managing the assets, um, and it's potentially thinking differently. It's about managing the individual and the the service, you know, that you you're providing to the um, client and really articulating that and really explaining that uh, to the client so that they can get, get a very good understanding of what value the financial planner is, is offering them. That I think it's worth talking a little bit about how do we transition potentially away from assets under management into different fee models. We have one group of people saying, you know, clients don't really care how you get paid as long as the value exceeds the price and then you have another group of people saying well actually i want no i don't want to cross subsidize i don't want to be paying for the smaller clients i want to be paying for the service that you are delivering yeah. and is that what you're saying this is your personal view not necessarily alan gray's view yeah, that's my and, yeah, i must uh, add that's that's my my personal view and this is what i've seen in the industry um you know globally i might add because we've had a number of let's call it study tours to to australia um, and uh, you know it's it's really about uh, uh, let's call it a fee for for service. However, with that comes a number of of challenges as well uh, that we've seen over the years. Is you know invoicing, um, yeah, uh, which uh, you know uh, you potentially need an additional resource to to be able to you know manage uh, the invoicing principle. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, I think it's important to start thinking about that is this is, is this where the industry's uh, going if we moving towards you know really developing this deeper human connection uh, it's about what you know what's your 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 unique value proposition to to your client are there people in south africa that are successfully implementing a fee for service model that you know of yes but certainly okay yeah so it's not about this can't be done. It's about how do we replicate? It's there. However, I might add what what I've seen over the years is that there's there's a hybrid model, 
You mm. know, uh, I haven't seen many uh, advice businesses in, or let's say independent advice businesses in South Africa that, you know, are purely a fee for service. And yes, I've missed it somewhere, but uh, what I've seen is is really a hybrid model. I think it's also sometimes testing a part of your business and say, okay, with bot, we're going to be doing this. And that's maybe worthwhile talking about how when we think about business management, business planning, it doesn't have to be all for nothing. We don't have to now all of a sudden, you know, villainize assets under management and completely only go the one way. Yeah. We can start considering some of these alternative options. No, certainly, and I think that's, uh, that's a great point because what, what we've seen, or what I've seen is introducing the fee-for-service model selectively because they are, uh, I've also heard that uh, a number of advisors um, where clients really prefer, you know, paying for that, that service and, uh, and it's X amount for that, for that service. Yeah, so do you introduce that you know, selectively see how it goes and, and maybe expand from, from there. But clearly, I agree with you, there's, there's a space for, for um, being paid, uh, you know, percentage of assets under, under management. Given apart from the unique value proposition, if you had to step into a financial planning practice and look under the hood and say, okay, the first thing I'm going to look at to, to check that things are in place, what would that be if you bought a practice tomorrow and you stepped in and you said, okay, Kevin is now the CEO of Feather Financial Planning. What what would that look like? Well, that's that's a very interesting question because we we did some work on this. Let's say um, about five six six years ago. Is what do you look at when buying a financial advice business? And there are multiple multiple factors. Is um, you know. Uh, what are the funds that they're using? Um, you know, does it match the funds that I'm using currently? Is well, let's look at the financials. Uh, you know, let's look at your financial statements over three to five years. Is you know, look, look at let's look at your client base. Uh, you know, what's the age of your client base? You know, is there any risk in uh, in that? So there, um, I might add, there's a long list. Uh, you know, of uh, factors that you need to consider when going into to potentially buying a, an, an advice business. Um, the employees that you have there, you know, what do you do with your employees? Um, so uh, it's it's not an easy exercise. And again, in my view, uh, you know, to go through that through that process. And, and uh, the research that I did is that there were two key factors here is when you go into this, this process is one is personality and culture and if those don't match your culture and personality then maybe it's about uh, walking away that's that's been my analysis okay you know from the the research that that i've done but again um as we've said this this is my structure of interpretation and uh, i might be wrong it is however valuable because you've seen this same movie many many times and i'm hearing you say that it's the health of the business, but more so it's about the people and it's about, you know, that personal connection. Yeah, and I think um, maybe to add to that is, uh, because I think this is a principle that uh, many advice, uh, or let's say independent advice businesses should be focusing on is really, uh, what is my employee value proposition? You, you, 
know, you think about your client value proposition or your, your unique client value proposition, but what am I offering um, my employees to really stay with with me? Because that clearly that's a that's a large investment in your in, in your business, and and you'd like them to be there for the long term. Given the the work that you're doing with Alan Gray around improving businesses, I think is critical because a lot of financial planners are just accidental entrepreneurs. You are a financial planner. You maybe become a little bit more successful. You want to do your own thing, and oh, now all of a sudden you're a business owner. You never set out to do that. What are you seeing from the businesses that are really growing faster than other businesses? What are they doing, or what kind of people are they employing that are maybe that would surprise our our listeners? Well, surprise, but maybe it's it's known, but I I think it's just about reinforcing it. Uh, I think the principle of having a, a, a para planner in your okay. in your advice uh, business uh, that's one and uh, I think the other uh, let's say principle is having a a practice manager or a chief operating officer for the want of a better word in in the advice business as well to, to take that responsibility you know away from from the the advisor where the advisor can really focus on Spending more time with the client, deepening those those relationships with uh, with the client, and uh, you know, hopefully, seeing uh, the business grow from there. To someone to look after the engine and the back, the back part that's driving this this business. Definitely, but uh, I think it's really about looking at this from a um, a client engagement process holistically, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're running professional businesses, right? Why does a financial services business have to operate differently than other businesses that run successfully? Well, I, I think that's a, an, again an interesting comment around business. And, and what I've seen over the years is going back to 2005, 2006, where there were many practices. However, we've seen um, them evolving, certainly them evolving from practice to a business. And really, uh, you know, it's not just earning fees on an, uh, on a monthly basis. You now have introduced salaries into the into the business. So I think that, that that's a concept. You know, moving or evolving potentially from a practice to a business. However, not saying that I, there's something wrong with the practice because many, uh, let's say, independent financial advisors run. Uh, uh, let's say lifestyle practices, and they they really enjoy that, and they're successful, and nothing wrong with that. But the then you find the other one that really wants to to grow their business uh, and really develop into a into a business. I remember in those rich dad poor dad books that Robert Kiyosaki always said, "If you can't remove yourself from the business, you don't have a business. You're just self-employed." And financial planning can be a great career if you want to be self-employed, yet there aren't many very big, truly independent businesses where the financial planners, I think, are still actively delivering advice, maybe a handful of them. Do you think that'll change over the next decade? Will we see more solo entrepreneurs, more medium-sized businesses, or more groups, or will the independent become scarce? No, I don't think uh, the independent uh, advice space. Now, again, I'm giving my 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 personal view here. 
that uh, the independent financial advisor is, is under threat uh, at all. Um, and I think it really gets back to, you know, your unique value proposition as an in independent financial advisor. Uh, starting a, a new independent advice practice or a business, the research which, uh, I did, we did um, probably about eight to, to 10 years ago is, is really it takes about three to five years of, of capital or you should have three to five years of capital to really sustain yourself over that period to really start building, you know, a, a client base. Um, so the, the, the one solution could be uh, if you want to start off as a financial planner is, or an independent financial advisor is join uh, an independent advice business and, you know, through that, learn, you know, through this process. I'm so glad that research only came out now because if I knew that at the time, <laughs> I probably wouldn't have jumped ship. But, you know, that once again, it's, I think the details in that, that, those are the averages, right? You get people on either sides that might figure out different ways or have existing relationships. Someone might need more. They might need 10 years worth of capital. Um, most certainly. Well, it clearly depends on, uh, you know, what it costs to, to, to run the uh, advice business. Do you think we're seeing too much talk and not enough action when it comes to businesses? You know, you're speaking to practice managers and financial planners all day. Like, are they implementing enough of the things to actually make a difference? Or are they so selective that when they implement something, it actually, it really moves the needle? Again, I think what I've, I've seen over the years, it's, it's not maybe a big bang approach, but it's, it's focusing on some key key things that uh, have been identified you know that they need to let, let's call it the development areas within within the uh, the advice business um or development area and slowly but surely you know uh, developing that particular area and then yes moving on to the onto the next next area but, but yeah what i've i have seen too in the past is uh, implementation seems to be a bit of a, uh, a challenge when you leave it up to the individual, saying in, in a lot of the cases where others need a bit of handholding, they need somebody external to really implement on their behalf. They need that guide, you know, through this, uh, through this process. I think that also talks around the beauty of having a team where you might have different people bring in different flavors and different strengths. In areas, if you have one person responsible for implementing everything, you know, you can do everything. You can do anything, just not everything. Um, certainly, I know. I think on to, to that point is what I've also seen in, in advice firms is that, uh, let's say there are three advisors, each one might have a particular area of responsibility. Is it is it compliance? Is it technology? So really, um, you know, bringing that and, and uh, you know, then uh, rotating you know, those responsibilities over a particular period of time. Given we've got the Financial Planning Standards Board that released a, an updated framework for the skills that a financial, a professional financial planner needs to have. And I looked at it yesterday and the last two said tech savviness and emotional intelligence. I was wondering what your thoughts are around the adoption of emotional intelligence around financial planners. Why is it so difficult? And why do we think we're sometimes emotionally intelligent when our emotional intelligence might be in the basement? Yeah. 
again, I, I think it's about, you know, really uh, thinking, yeah, it's uh, for the financial advisor, really thinking that they, they know the client, they have a deep understanding of them, but maybe they don't. Uh, again, that's just a, a, a general statement. So it's, it's really about, you know, developing those skills. Again, I want to refer back to uh, a growth mindset is developing these new neural pathways and, and looking at that relationship differently and, and you know, focusing on the, that emotional connection with, uh, with clients. I can hear that almost a sense of humility saying, don't just assume and don't have too much confidence in this space. This is something that you continuously learn and grow as your relationship deepens with your clients. Well, that's what my philosophy too is, or my approach is, show me the person that knows everything, you know. And so, so I think it's really about uh, constantly, you know, learning, learning through this process, um, absorbing, uh, and uh, maybe through your networking as well, you know, really trying to find out, soundboarding, you know, some principles with, uh, with your peers in the industry. And through that process, you know, you, you're learning as well and, and, and making refinements within, within your own advice uh, firm. So over the last 38 years, you've witnessed a lot of this refining and changes. And was there a point in time where people were a lot more optimistic or a lot more pessimistic about the role of a financial planner? Because it, it seems like it comes in these waves around oh, a euphoria or just, oh, it's the end. It's the end of us all. <laughs> Well, again, my personal view is that you're going to get that uh, going forward as well. You'll you'll get the naysayers. Uh, you get those that are really really positive about the the, the industry. Uh, I'm very positive about the the industry going going forward. Um, so yeah, I, that that's that's my view. Given, thank you so much for a wonderful conversation. As parting wisdom, is there anything that you'd want to say to young financial planners just starting out that might help them, you know, stick through the tough times. Yes, I, I, I would think really building uh, those deeper relationships uh, with uh, with clients, um, really adopting this coaching way of being, and that might be a bit of a foreign uh, concept to to, to many people, uh, but really getting that emotional connection with a client, um, and then you know, putting the if you're running a uh, an advice business or practice, uh, getting the foundation, you know, in place is your marketing, your operations, your people, and then your commercial side, which is the financial. So really get that foundation in place and uh, you you must be successful from there. Kevin, thank you so much for the wisdom that you bring and how freely you share it. I appreciate it and you've made the whole profession that much better. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Louis.